Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. and welcome to Crown Corner for this week, the sixth episode here with you on WFNZ's social channels, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. Will Pelagic, Jessica Charman, and we come to you on a win streak after a 2-0 win over FC Cincinnati that followed the 3-1 victory over uh, the Winkler Revolution. It's very, very great just to see everything starting to come together, and I really feel like the club has hit its stride through five games this season. I could get used to this feeling. It's so much easier to prep for matches. It's so much easier to talk about matches. You know, we, we've we talked so much about bad luck and being disappointed and feeling like it's unfair. And how refreshing is it now that we're talking about perhaps having a little bit of luck swing in our direction about the way that our team has come together. The hard work has paid off. And honestly, Will, I feel like it's clicked a lot quicker than I maybe anticipated that it would. I was always talking about patience and, you know, these things take time. Well, I thought it was going to take a little bit more time, honestly, but you're right. I feel like they found their stride and they're playing and understanding the system. And, and I do feel like also one of the things that we were worried about was that, you know, it wasn't going to be beautiful football. It was going to be, you know, plotting, especially the way that it started in Charleston. And I do feel like a lot of people kind of came with that idea that, you know, this was going to be, you know, a side that struggled to find its footing. And, you know, people were questioning the game model, questioning the playing out of the back. There was some scary, skittish moments in Charleston <laughs> and even in the first game against D.C. But but now you're seeing why the system is in place You've got great goalkeeping to back it up. We're going to talk to Christian Kalina later on this uh, this hour. I, I do feel like there are a lot of things that are starting to kind of hit that stride, like you said, and, and coming together a lot sooner than we thought it was going to. Definitely, Will. I think it's a combination of a lot of factors. There were some worries about the model. There still is a little bit of nervousness around the model because the nature of playing out the back is sometimes you're going to put yourself in some sticky situations. But we always talk about the risk versus the reward, and the reward is so great. When we look at these goals and we look at the speed of play, we look at the speed of transition from defending to attacking, we look at how they're able to create spaces and find players within the 18-yard box, completely unmarked. Look at the goal from Svidersky, the first goal. He's able to create so much space because of the movement of the ball, because of the possession, because of the runs off of the ball, that you make it look easy. So, yes, there are going to be moments like the Christian Fuchs moment where he was caught in mm. possession just because you put yourself under a lot of pressure. But the reward of playing against that risk, particularly when you have a goalkeeper that's going to be fast off his line and you can trust in these difficult situations, the reward is well worth those nervous moments. You mentioned the couple of different moments that we saw throughout that contest, the goal from Svodersky, the first one, and then the second one. It sounded a heck of a lot more awesome than I think people even thought it was when they were out there live. Let's hear a little bit of the highlights from Saturday's 2-0 victory over FC Cincinnati. A look to the watch. We are underway. Charlotte and FC Cincinnati. First attacking possession here for Charlotte. Rios approaching the 18. Into the box for Bender. Bender across the right side. Wodarski, it scores! Carol Swiderski on a feed from Ben Bender. And for the second, we can 
Fuchs trying to get around Baji. Fuchs went down, a steal. Acosta for Vasquez, a save, Kalina! Oh, what a save by Kalina at the shin! They are going to play it forward for Acosta. Acosta, oh, the shot, save, Kalina! And that was a strike from Acosta, but a better save from the Croatian Kalina. He just gets better and better. Aji trying to turn around, now Powell. Powell with a shot, save made, Kalina! Kalina came way off his line, near the penalty spot, to try and knock down that pass from Powell, and does so to save a potential goal attempt. Ruiz has it on a pass from Mora. Cross to the middle, headed by Rios. A shot by Spiderski, oh, he missed it! Oh, a real one-time shot by Spiderski. Had a little bit too much mustard on it. You're talking to the sauce boss here. Will it be Fuchs or Spiderski? It's Federski, a shot! Carol Federski, the set-piece contention! Taken away by Cincinnati for Brenner near the area. Brenner with a shot, save Kalina! No. And it goes out of play for a corner kick. World-class, absolutely world-class. Heavy is the head that wears the crown, and the crown belongs to Charlotte, the real Queen City! That is a little bit of what you heard on WFNZ and the Charlotte FC radio network. Fun, fun stuff. Uh, it sounded like the Christian Kalina highlight reel, or at least the Kalina and Svidersky highlight reel. Uh, just great, great stuff. And, and I, I want to focus on Svidersky first and and then Kalina, because I think Svidersky, because of the fact that I do feel like there's a little bit more when it comes to just his ability. He's somebody who I feel like, we still are getting a lot more familiar with. I still feel like his ball skills are much better than I think even I had measured them as coming in here to Charlotte FC. Definitely. A lot of target big-sized center forwards often don't have the agility and the footwork to match. But Karas Videski is truly a full package. He offers great foot skills. He offers a physical presence. How many fouls does he join uh, – draw week in week out he's constantly getting his body between the ball and the defender he's able to hold the ball up he's able to bring others in what I was impressed by that maybe I didn't see him having so much in his you know locker was his through balls as well his vision to create a pass we know he has a strike on him but some of those passes one from Rios a through ball on the volley I remember standing out particularly uh, was amazing and, and he just continues to impress us week in week out with the variety of skills that he has, that makes him very, very difficult for a goalkeeper or a defender to handle because he's always dangerous, whether he's in the 18-yard outside of the 18-yard box, from a set piece in the link-up play. You, you just don't know how to handle him, and that's why he's drawing so many fouls because a lot of these defenders panic when he's in possession and just think, you know what, it's easier to cut him down. And one of the things I'm glad you brought up, not just on the broadcast, but in a couple of other published works, is that there are a lot of unsung heroes to his success. And I think one is Daniel Rios, because ever since they moved to the two-striker format, we'll see what they use this week against Philadelphia, just because it's a little bit of a different animal defensively that you have to uh, combat here with that. They might have to, to change things up tactically in order to at least play a more defensive game against Philadelphia. But I do feel like... Uh, when they've gone to the two strikers set up with Rios on one side and Svidersky on the other, it's freed up some room for him. And Rios has done so thanklessly. The fact that he draws defenders alongside to him, uh, maybe it's a situation where people start to shade more towards Svidersky. That leaves Rios for a couple of openings. He had a couple of those openings against Cincinnati, couldn't knock him through, but he's doing a lot of yeoman work. And I think he needs more recognition for it. It's a lot of the off the ball work. We heard from Ben Bender last week talking about how much in this system he has required himself as well to do the off the ball running, to make the spaces for others. For Rios, he puts in a lot of legwork and movement away from the ball to allow the space for Karol Svidersky. He also had the secondary assist as far as I'm concerned in the goal you know, the first goal, because he had the vision to create the passes. Would like to see him look a little bit more comfortable in front of goal. He's had a couple of opportunities where I think a player in his position needs to finish those. But again, you're right, Well, he doesn't get enough praise because he isn't the name on the score sheet. But without the movement from Rios, without the decoy that he creates, drawing defenders across because they're concerned about him, Kaos Federsky cannot have as much of an impact.
Of course, when you think about this game, it's two principal players who showed out the most, both Carol Svidersky and Christian Kalina. Kalina, we said he was due for a clean sheet, and it took a full team effort, according to head coach Miguel Angel Ramirez, to get him his first one of the young season. We were lucky because, uh, of course, we have Kalina. That is it's not about luck. It's, it's about talent and work. But, I mean, they, they had chances uh, to score. In some of the games, they, they were able to score, and today they couldn't, you know, to be fair. But, of course, we, we, we keep working how to be more efficient defending and how to concede less goals. So this is something that we spend now, because in the preseason we spend... Too many hours working in the trainings about the attacking organization, positional game, you know, to for them to have the tools. And now that they have the tools, we we spend more time during the week in the defending organization. So we are working on it. And I feel like he's so right. It is a team effort. A lot of the time as goalkeepers, they're quick to get criticism and it's because it's a team effort, right? I get frustrated when mm -hmm. goalkeepers are, are quick to be criticized. It's the same with praise though. We can single out Kalina for matters of magic. He makes fantastic saves, but a clean sheet is a complete team effort from the forward line back. You look at Karol Svodersky, how many times did he have a play defensively? When your forwards are involved with the defense and you're all getting behind this system of defending, of getting back together, getting forward together. It's a magical system. And again, Kalina at the end of the day stands on his head with some individual moments as well. And that's hard work and preparation. And we mentioned a lot of those different things with regards to just the way that they played throughout the contest. I do feel like there's a lot to love from not just Kalina's perspective, but look no further than the first goal. I mean, that was a total team goal. Kalina was involved. I think 10 of the 11 players on the pitch touched the ball. The only one who didn't was Carujo. And when you have a goalkeeper involved like that, helping with the link up and helping with the counterattack, you had everything in that run by Rios, uh, the pass from Bender, and then the finish from Svidersky. I feel like that is something that is the personification and the epitome of everything working on all cylinders. It's the system. It's the system in work, the movement of the ball, getting the touches, creating the space. And what Charlotte FC has improved on from the first matches is the speed that they're able to do that. We saw what they wanted to do early on against DC United, against LA Galaxy. They wanted to make those passes, but they weren't as confident in the system. So they weren't able to move the ball fast enough to really make those penetrating passes into space. Now they've been able to speed up the play with a few weeks of practice. You're creating deadly, deadly movements and moving the ball to create that space. And again, Svidersky has a great finish, right? But he's mm -hmm. barely marked. He has what for him can be considered almost an open goal. And when you leave a player of his caliber in front of a goal that's begging for a ball in the back of it, yeah, he's not going to let you down. Now, now, the seminal moment of the contest came when the penalty, or not the penalty, but the free kick was earned just outside the box to the right of goal, right near the arc in front of the 18-yard box. And something that we tried to bring to you on the broadcast was that Kale Svidersky went right up to that spot right away, and it was flanked by Christian Fuchs and Jordi Alcivar. And I just loved how, you know, Fuchs and Alcivar were kind of standing over him. And even Fuchs spoke to this after the match. And, and I felt like, you know, a lot of times that's a ball that we've seen, you know, Titi Ortiz, if he's on the pitch take, we've seen Ben Bender take. Carol Svidersky wanted that set piece and he was not going to give it up. And one of the things that Fuchs said to him after the game was, oh, well, you know, do I do you, do you go for left? Do you go for right? And then Fuchs just said to Carol, he said, no, just go score. And uh, he had the most absolutely perfect strike on the ball. And it created uh, one of the best moments we've seen in that stadium to date. Look, I felt like the minute he moved the ball, when a player moves the ball to get on the correct blade of grass, it's like he knows what he's going to do. The reactions were fantastic. The crowd loved it. And again, I think it was a bit of a moment for Karol Svidersky to prove those doubters wrong. 
We've had a lot of criticism of signing him as a designated player. Yes, he hadn't played in this league. He hasn't got the experience with MLS. But do you really need that to thrive if you're a quality player? Mm. No, you don't. And he's showing now that he has every tool in his toolbox that he needs to be successful. And now the key for us is to see consistency, right? We love what we've seen from him for the past two games, but the real mark of quality is consistency. Can he do this week in, week out? And so far, I truly believe he can. The best was was this from from Jordi Alcivar <laughs> when he he said he knew he knew the movie before uh, it ended. Now the the best reaction though has to be this this one right here. The two of us. <laughs> Look, this man, is the Willie Shimmy. Is what this you, is is the what Willy you're trying Shimmy, to tell me? The Willie Shimmy out the window, and I'm just speechless. Ugh. I, I wanted it so badly to go in, but it was from a good distance and I was surprised. I couldn't believe it. Remarkable. And I think you see our true emotion when you hear the call. It was a lot of fun uh, from both, not only Carol, but also Christian Kalina. We had a lot of fun watching that match. We'll do a lot looking ahead to Philadelphia later on in the hour. We want to hear your questions as well at Willie P Style, at Jess Talks Footy, and also at WFNZ on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. Get those in, and Matt's burning questions will be answered at the end of the podcast. We're going to preview Philadelphia a little bit later on. We're going to talk to the folks from Min Street Mafia. Our pal J.J. Prisenno is going to come on. But first, we have to talk to the man who got his first clean sheet, the brick wall that is Christian Kalina, as we go inside the training ground. It's time to check in on the training ground, and there was no better person, we thought, for this week coming off his first clean sheet to join us than Charlotte FC goalkeeper Christian Kalina. I know that this is one that, Jess, you've been looking forward to for a very long time just because we wanted the first opportunity to bring him on. Absolutely. Really excited to have a fellow goalkeeper join us today. Christian, no better feeling for a goalkeeper than a clean sheet. And you've deserved this one. It's been a long time coming. Talk about your feelings after keeping that clean sheet, that shutout on Saturday. Yeah, we wait this a long time. And me, like goalkeeper, normal for for us is the most important to to finish the game without receiving the goal. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, we deserve this uh, because we work hard every week and uh, a lot of uh, unlucky in first, uh, par- first, uh, first games in the league. But now I think uh, we will go in this way when uh, we will have uh, more and more clean sheets. One of the things I said, and I'm glad you brought it up there, is that you guys had been kind of unlucky. And then we were trying to explain to fans that this is the kind of thing that you know, evens out over the course of a season, that the luck does turn. But but what was it like for you as a goalkeeper, you know, seeing those score lines and feeling like, hey, you know, we were a little snake bit a bit, you know, a carom here, a penalty here. Some of them might have been dubious, but uh, it seemed like things have gone the other way in the positive. You know how it is. Before the first game, uh, every time when I spoke with somebody from the club, outside of the club, from my, with my family, uh, I spoke all the time with them. Just we need a little bit of lucky that come on our side and we can be like a surprise from first round. And then in first the game, it comes everything against us. And uh, yeah, I was really disappointed after the game. Uh, and from, from this moment, I said, hey, even I will not speak now anymore about lucky. Just give us normal game. Just don't give us lucky and don't give to, to them lucky. But then again, after second game, we play uh, really good on 0-0. Ben uh, shoot in the post. And uh, after one minute, this guy from LA Galaxy, he scored from the post to the goal. Oh. And yeah, it, it was not easy time. And uh, even in the end of this everything, third game against Atlanta, Again, in 97, deflection uh, from our guy uh, in, and we received the goal for, uh, to lose the game. Yeah, it was tough, tough time for us, but uh, I can say to you, we was positive all the time. We know that uh, this time must be like a pass for us and uh, it will come normal time and then we will enjoy it more. Definitely. We've been enjoying watching you play. One thing I love to hear was in an interview with Will, you talked about fancying yourself as a forward, enjoying the ball. 
at your feet. How important is it for you to be comfortable with your distribution, with receiving the passes in this system? Uh, it's very important because uh, this coach, uh, Miguel, uh, he liked to use uh, a lot of uh, goalkeepers like uh, in his uh, exercise, in uh, how, how he uh, see the football, like style of the football. And all of us uh, who they bring in this club, uh, they play uh, the same well with the fits and uh, all of us enjoy in, this, uh, in these things. What is uh, is different about the way that you guys train? Because I feel like a lot of times, you know, a goalkeeper will spend, you know, all his time basically by himself. And, you know, you'll only join for like the 11 on 11 stuff. The goalkeepers are a lot more involved just because of that and because of that desire to build out of the back and, and to have that style with the footwork. How much more work are you doing with the whole team and the outfield players than you might have, say, in, in previous stops in your career? Uh, I think uh, this stuff uh, come uh, a lot more uh, now than maybe before five, six, seven, eight years in the football mm -hmm. because uh, a lot of coaches now use uh, more goalkeepers in, uh, in, uh, in the games and in the trainings, uh, training sessions. Uh, now we, we are normal goalkeepers are separate uh, from the team because when the, the training sessions start, we go, we go on one side, uh, they go on other side to warm up, uh, separate from us. We, we work like uh, maybe 30, 35 minutes alone. And then we start to enjoy easy, like uh, two goalkeepers go on some games, two goalkeepers stay with Andy. And uh, yeah, but uh, every day we are with them. Uh, maybe in the past, uh, for 10 years, you had uh, from five training sessions in the week, uh, uh, to training uh, you make alone just with the uh, goalkeeper coach and uh, you go home you, you are not with the team but now in this time every day we have something with them or we play with uh, some rondos uh, play some uh, circle games like uh, with feet or we have shooting normal or this uh, 11 against 11 we are all the time with them Miguel loves that rondo drill he gets so hyped up during the Rondo drill. Yeah, even uh, when I spoke with uh, with our coaches, for me, it's more difficult to play this uh, kind of games uh, from the training than on the game because uh, on the game, I have some time. Uh, oh. uh, like, uh, I have time. I feel that I have time. But on a training session, they, they put everything, like, uh, shorter and, uh, like, uh, a lot of players on... on uh, on small, uh, on small part of the field, and then you must be really, really fast and uh, qu quick mind. So something I heard a lot growing up as a goalkeeper is you have to be crazy to be a goalkeeper, right? It's a different mental headspace. Do you think that's true? Do you think we're a different breed of person when you become a goalkeeper? Yeah, I think that... Uh... Uh, the goalkeepers are the most responsible person on the on the field, and uh, in a lot of clubs you will see that uh, who came first on the training sessions are goalkeepers. And this is in uh, in our mind, like uh, we are last in uh, in our teams, and uh, they must they must have confidence in us. If you want if you want really good team, you need to have good goalkeeper behind you. Because uh, when the team don't have confidence in the goalkeeper, then everybody are shaking. And uh, yeah, you must be crazy because sometimes <laughs> when they go one against one, you must open your body. Don't think that somebody will shoot you in the head or, uh, or that somebody will kick you in some crosses. Then when, when you go to the ball, everybody goes against you. And yeah, they, they want to score a goal. You must be crazy. Yep, we are crazy, Will. That's what you're yeah. used to. Will's used to spending time with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's the most difficult save you've made this season? Really, I uh, this against Martinez, I think, uh, was, uh, for me, a really high-quality save uh, in second half when, uh, when he received back pass and the shoot from first touch uh, up, uh, on my, uh, I say, with my left uh, hand. Yeah, this this was like uh, 
even uh, I cannot say the most difficult because in this uh, second, I don't think about this. This is just reactions. reaction. This is just, yeah, you know this. This is just <laughs> reaction. But uh, yeah, this this was uh, this is my favorite uh, save this season. Those are the saves that you practice so much for, but then in the moment, it, it's almost like second nature to you. I think that's how when we watch you, everything looks like easy. It's faultless for you because you've practiced so hard in the week. Yeah, I I, I had an amazing uh, goalkeeper coach Andy. We train a lot with these uh, reactions, with uh, positioning. Uh, when you make good positioning on the against your teammate who who will shoot, you have really good chance to to save this ball. And uh, even with this reaction uh, against Martinez, uh, the most important is in, in uh, my fast, quick, and my open. Uh, I I don't know how can I say it in English but that my hands are open, that are not close to my body. Because mm -hmm. if it's close to my body, I need a long time to, to, to push hand up. Yeah. And this is like uh, too late to, to make a reaction like this. And uh, yeah, but this kind of re 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 reaction, you can make just if you train this, because then come in your mind like naturally. And this is the, the most important. In terms of just your position on this team, I know that the people have really looked to you as a leader. How much of that do you take on just naturally? And number two, just how much of that has just developed a, of the way that you've played? I mean, have you ever remembered a, a run of play like this in your career? Uh, in my last, my previous club, yeah, it was uh, in our league big favorite we had big quality uh in terms of uh, uh other clubs and in terms of money and then it's uh, much easier for me because maybe i will have uh, in all game maybe one two ball and maybe from this one two ball even it will not be uh, hard ball it will be some crosses and some shoot uh, from 18 yards and uh, you catch this and then after the game you said Oh, I, I play a good game because I'm, uh, they need again confidence that these two balls you save it. But uh, it's sometimes it's more difficult because you are not in the game. And then comes some uh, easy game, but you have a lot of job, and then you are not inside. Yeah, sometimes can be this like uh, uh, very difficult. Now every game here in MLS is like derby game. And uh, you know that uh, we will have some chances, they will have some chances. And who will be better, who will be in better form, he will take the points. And uh, for me, until now, because I'm in the form, I enjoy really to be here on the goal because I have a lot of jobs and uh, I think that uh, I play really well. Yes, you play really well and people are noticing it. Your jersey everybody is going on about wanting a Christian Kalina kit. They want to get your name on the back. They want to represent in your colors. How much does that mean as a goalkeeper for fans to have gravitated so closely to you? A lot of times as goalkeepers, you're the unsung heroes. You're a hero and people want your jersey. What does that mean to you? Yeah, that means that uh, I really show my quality to, for, uh, to them. And they recognize uh, me like uh, somebody who is important in this team. And uh, yeah, it's really nice to hear this and uh, to receive all these messages from them. And uh, really, I cannot uh, uh, answer on all these messages because then I will come in uh, uh, some text with uh, somebody. I, I don't have power for this, but in, on some messages I, I, uh, I answer. Uh, when I see that is nice, uh, nice text, and uh, yeah, I answer it. But I think now they will they will put uh, my jersey in fan shop because uh, this last one pink is from last season, and they didn't uh, bought uh, like uh, a lot of these jerseys that they can put, and even they didn't expect this that uh, somebody will uh, uh, want my uh, jersey. But now I, uh, I think they will put in fan shop and everything will be, will be easier for our fans 
and uh, they have my surname on 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 this jersey. Well, well they know Jess I'm is... going to be first in line. I'm going to beat you to it, Will. I'm going to be yeah. first yeah. in line to get it. Jess is going to camp saw... out in front of uh, Bank of America Stadium for you. You realize that? <laughs> <laughs> Even I saw uh, some uh, some fans. Uh, they make it already. They take blue jersey, our like uh, home uh, home color jersey, and they put uh, behind uh, my surname. Your name? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ultimate they compliment. Send to me, and they sent to me, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's really nice uh, to to see this. I, I only know two things about your home country: great beaches, great wine. Which are better? For me, great beaches because uh, I don't drink wine, and then uh, I cannot uh, say nothing about this. But uh, yeah, the the summer there is is uh, really beautiful, and the sea, it's clear sea, and a lot of islands, a lot of uh, nice cities with uh, with history, and without history, but uh, but it's uh, very nice. Uh, you have a north and a south uh, side of the beach, and yeah, it's beautiful. I'm thinking about an off-season crown corner trip to Croatia uh, with Christian as our tour guide. Appreciate it as <laughs> always, bud. Uh, you're playing fantastic. You're on a heater right now. Keep it going. Get us three points in Philly. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to, to both of you. As Christian Kalina, who really is just, I swear, just so fun to talk to. I, I can't, I can't get over how awesome and how genuine he is. And, uh, have you ever seen somebody have something like that where a goalkeeper has his name be put on on the primary kit like that, not a goalkeeper kit? I, I've not seen that before. No, it's rare. That's why, you know, I said ultimate compliment. My face is still hurting from smiling, though. What an incredible interview. What an honest, you know, humble guy. And I love that because he knows the nature of the beast as the goalkeeper. One minute you're a hero, the next minute you're a villain. And I just feel like the the fans have gravitated towards him, not because... Well, yes, partly because he's an incredible goalkeeper, but mm -hmm. also because he's just such a nice guy that spends time like watching him after the games, go to the fans, taking time to sign stuff. He, he loves being at this club. And I think all the players do. It's such a wonderful feeling to be part of a club where everyone is happy. Well, it's weird. Like one of the things that I feel like this this club was wrongly criticized for among many, which, again, we've talked <laughs> about that a lot, but they were criticized for the different internationalities that uh, was brought in, like all these international clubs. But I feel like that's what makes the flavor of this club is that you have people from Croatia, you have players from Venezuela, you have players from Ecuador. We've got a couple now from Mexico. And and there's there's something for everybody, I feel like, too. And, and not just the nationality part of it, but the mentality. There are people, I feel like if you ask people their favorite player, they're going to be a lot of people who say Kalina, a lot of people who say Carol. People say Alan Franco, who played admirably last night for Ecuador uh, in, in, uh, against Argentina in a, in a hostile environment down there in Ecuador where that team earns a draw in a World Cup qualifier. And, and, and you know, McCoon played last night for Venezuela against Colombia. And, and just there's all these different types of players that you could come in and, and, and people have a different favorite, which I think is something that's that's rare in a club. And it represents the city of Charlotte, right? We're a mixing pot. It's nice that people can see someone that looks like themselves on the soccer pitch, someone that plays for their home country or is from their home country. And for me, having the experience of coming as an international to play in America, it's always nice when you've got other internationals going through the same experience because you have someone that gets it. You're away from home. You, you're learning another culture. And that mix along with the Americans that can kind of put their arm around you and show you the way, I think it's a fantastic recipe for success. And so far, Charlotte FC is demonstrating that. Now, of course, there's one that has also become a fan favorite among the Americans domestically. And that is of course, Ben Bender. We got more of the cost, uh, the comments about, uh, you know, when's Ben going to be part of the U S men's national team, uh, men's national team plays its final game tonight against Costa Rica. But uh, just look at some of these different stats, you know, one goal, three assists. Uh, he had the big assist on the goal uh, for Swiderski at the beginning with another very, very well-timed run. I just, I continue to be impressed by Bender. The cool first touch, the ability to run, the flexibility between positions, the ambidextrous foot nature. Uh, you just keep watching him, and he keeps on being uh, not too big for the moment, which is very impressive for the 21-year-old. 
And also the fact that you've just been able to adjust so mm-hmm. flawlessly to MLS. A lot of these players from NCAA struggle to get up to the speed of play, struggle to get up to the physicality. I'm so impressed with his physicality as well. He's not a big dude, but he goes shoulder to shoulder with a lot of these grown men and, and wins those duels. So uh, a full a full package player. But again, as I said about Karis Videsky, we just need consistency. And that's the real mark of how, how well a player can really adapt to the league. Speaking of consistency, Philadelphia Union have been the bastion of just that. Uh, four matches. They were idle last week during the international break. They drew in their opening match, have won their last three. They are top of the table, and that is who we draw this upcoming week in suburban Philadelphia. Uh, for part of a, a string of matches for Charlotte FC that is the first road match in a string of four out of five in a row on the road. The only home match is next week against Atlanta a week from Sunday. So this is a tough, tough stretch for the club, but we'll see how they are able to stand up to that. We'll get a little bit of an insight on what the Philadelphia Union are like with Jonathan Tannewald now from the Philadelphia Inquirer as we do a little opposition research. <laughs> Here on Crown Corner, time for a little opposition research as we learn a little bit about the group that we will see this weekend in the city of brotherly love, the Philadelphia Union. Jonathan Tannewald writes for the Philadelphia Inquirer, and he joins us here on Crown Corner to preview this match this weekend. And Jonathan, top of the table, Philadelphia, you know, four points in all four games, at least to start this season. Uh, I don't feel like there's really much to complain about as you sit here through four games under this group. There is not. This team's playing very well so far this year, and they've had some not just good wins, especially at New York City FC. That was really a statement win, but they've played some good and interesting soccer, too. They don't possess the ball a lot. They only had 27% of the possession in New York, but they know what to do when they have it. They are a counter-pressing team in the line of RB Leipzig, and Liverpool and so on. And the sporting director from the union, Ernst Tanner, knows a lot of people in those organizations and Red Bull Salzburg and beyond. It's the same playbook. And you're going to see it uh, in full on uh, Saturday night. I will correct you, though. You said there's nothing to complain about that. You said, <laughs> you said A, there's nothing to complain about, and B, in the city of brotherly love. Neither of those two things, in fact, is accurate. The stadium <laughs> is, in half an, is half an hour south of downtown. In That's Chester, true. PA, which is a subject of constant consternation for those of us who live in the city and don't have cars. But other than that, you know, this team's very good. And uh, I think, uh, you know, Charlotte FC fans who maybe have have not watched this team yet are going to be very interested by what they see. And you talk about being interested in what they're going to see. Can you tell us a little bit about key components? What players do Charlotte FC fans need to be wary of in this matchup? Well, I think you've got to start with the central midfield. The the quartet, the diamond-shaped quartet, the central midfield is the engine room of so much of what the union do in terms of both pressing defensively and turning you over and sending the ball down the other way. Jose Andres Martinez at the bottom of the diamond, the sixth defensive midfield spot. Venezuelan national team mainstay, really dynamic uh, plays on the edge kind of guy sometimes, to be honest with you. He's liable to get drawn into a yellow card or two fairly easily, and everybody <laughs> knows it. Uh, in front of him, the two sort of central spots, Alejandro Bedoya, the team's captain, the U.S. national team veteran, guy plenty of folks have heard of. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays on the right side of that diamond. The left side is generally Leon Flack, who's a very interesting, promising young American player who can play – on the left side of the diamond as the six or at left back. Uh, If he's not playing, Jack McGlynn is a guy who might really interesting uh, U.S. youth national team prospect. Hasn't quite made the headlines yet on a national team level. He did an MLS last year in the playoffs for sure. Uh, Academy kid, really interesting, smart on the ball, can set the tempo. Um, I don't know how much he's going to play or not because Flack is the starter over him, but a guy to know about for this weekend and the future. And then Daniel Gazdag at the top of the diamond, Hungarian international, not quite a classic 10, 
but certainly a feeder and great passer. Absolutely terrific passing vision. Um, and when you have you have you'll have two strikers in front of him, and he sort of plays as the third man. And when you're trying to, as a defense, occupy the space that all three of those guys are running around and into, it gets a little difficult. I haven't gotten the strikers yet because I'm not sure who the front two are going to be. Um, the top two should be Mikel Oro, who's the big new signing for multi-million dollars, uh, largest transfer fee in union history. Danish uh, striker, top scorer of the Danish league the last two years, but has been dealing with a little bit of an injury caused by, they think, running them out a little too fast when he got here after he didn't play for a month and a half. Uh, and Julian Carranza, the former Inter Miami striker, who's a pretty good player, you know, not necessarily elite, but makes some really smart runs, can finish, uh, pairs very well with a front two, uh, has really developed quickly some chemistry with Gazdag that we've seen so far this season. Um, those three guys can play some heavy metal ball and they can also play some entertaining ball. And you're not going to see too many teams quite like it in this league. It'll it'll be, ironically enough, three teams within uh, proximity of each other geographically, the New York Red Bulls, D.C. United, and the Union. And you guys have seen D.C. United a little bit already, obviously, mm-hmm. but not at the full-strength team. We know they're going to be later this year when all their acquisitions come in. Uh, but this team will press you a lot. And uh, I will be very interested to see how Charlotte deals with that. Yeah, it's interesting – Jonathan, just because I think the way that a lot of these teams in MLS are structured, you know, they'll, they'll have a, a world-class number nine, like, you know, Atlanta has with Joseph Martinez or Tati Castellanos at New York City, whereas, you know, Philly has so many threats in different areas. You can't just focus on one dude. It's almost you have to collectively defend, and maybe we will see a little bit of a bunker strategy by uh, Charlotte employed if they you know, go five at the back or do something similar like they did against D.C., just because it's not just one guy you have to mark. You have to mark them all. Yeah, and it, you know, I, I've it's funny. Um, I'm going to make a basketball analogy for two reasons. One, I'm on a podcast in North Carolina, and I grew up in ACC country, and I know what's happening Saturday night right around this time. This game is going to end. Sure. So I get that, you know. Um, and the other is I've actually been covering basketball the last couple of weeks and will be at the women's final four this weekend. I won't be in the game. So I have not watched as much of Charlotte FC in person, you know, on TV as I'd like to. So I don't know who's going to be marking whom. But – if I'm Miguel Angel Ramirez, I am spending this week preaching to my guys, you got to move the ball fast. And if you're Carol Svidersky, as good a player as we've seen from him so far that he is, how he, how he plays against a high line, the back line of the union is going to be very interesting to watch because if he times his run right, if you time your runs right against this team, you can get in behind them. But if you don't, you might be offside a lot. So that's that's something to watch. How do you feel expectations is around the fan base so far, getting off to a really great start? Are expectations soaring? They're up there. Um, but the fascinating thing is, in contrast to a team that can put 70,000 in a stadium for its first game or you know 30,000 for its second and third and fourth games, the Union don't have a huge fan base. You might see... You'll see a big crowd on Saturday night at a stadium that only seats 18,000 people. Um, The union don't resonate a ton in this town in the way that Atlanta and Seattle and Charlotte so far have done. You know, there's four other pro sports teams in this town. There's six, seven college teams, et cetera. It's tough to break through. The union broke through a little bit last year with their Champions League run and their playoff run. They've tried to recapture that. Uh, you know, this spring, they've got a little of it. But, um, you know, obviously right now, everybody's paying attention to the U.S. men's national team, which takes a little bit of the attention away. Uh, you've got Villanova playing in the early game Saturday night before Duke Carolina. So there should be a good crowd there Saturday night. But uh, alas, they are not certainly going to treat it as one of their bigger games of the season, for better or worse. 
Well, Jonathan, we're uh, certainly looking forward to it. Now, we understand, like you said, uh, there will be attentions divided in both cities just because, uh, obviously, the big Duke and Carolina presence here with that and, uh, and obviously, what's going on with Villanova in the beginning of the evening. But uh, we thank you so much for the insight. We appreciate it, and we'll, uh, we'll look forward to having you on for the return engagement. It's my pleasure, and, and I do want to, I want to watch this team a good bit more this year because I want to watch, in particular, Ben Bender uh, – and Jalen Lindsay, who are two young guys who I'm really interested to see get rhythm, get a constant run of games. It's not interrupted by a FIFA window and such really, you know, really have some, some momentum and playing well. And also a guy who I don't know if he's going to play Saturday night, but Derek Jones Mm -hmm. of Charlotte is a kid who grew up in the union's Academy, grew up in Southwest Philly and was a big time prospect here. He's come back here and played a few times, but it's always interesting anytime he returns to town. So, well, we look forward to uh, to seeing how it works out, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you here soon. Hey, thanks for having me on. The union and Jess, you know, this is a little interesting when it comes to this this contest here with Philadelphia. I I do feel like it's going to be probably our toughest test because it's on the road, because of the fact that you have really not one player that you'd go again. I have no real knowledge of this just because we haven't really seen the team do an 11 on 11 uh, side yet in training, but I would not be shocked if they go back to that five at the back look, you know, maybe three center backs, especially if they can get McCoon back in time, you know, have the five uh, with the two wing backs and maybe just play a little bit more of a bunker style, just because I think it's going to be very difficult against Philadelphia, especially with how well they counter against the opposition. I think when I talk about my keys to this game, the most important thing is very similar to Atlanta United, that we need to really frustrate them early on. The worst thing that we could do in this game is concede an early goal. Because once you give Philadelphia Union a goal, not only are they going to get the world of confidence, you've also got to get a goal back against a very difficult side. So I think frustrating the opposition is going to be key. So maybe having that extra defensive solidarity will be a positive thing. But... As our guest mentioned, they do play a high back line, which can actually, I think he's a little naive. He thinks that's going to be harder for us. I think we have speed over the top. We have vision in terms of passing and finding splitting passes that if they try and play too high of a line around us and we can play around it, it could create some very good one-on-one opportunities. So uh, we've had people be a little naive about Charlotte FC before in this show, right? Particularly uh, New England Revolution comes to mind. So Mm, I don't mind if people are underestimating us or worrying about how we're going to handle stuff because I believe we have the capabilities in a manager that's willing to adjust and adapt to, to find the best side to face this team. Well, I also think too, Jess, is that people underestimate how adept we are at holding possession. They feel like because we built back, you know, we're susceptible to to turnovers and giveaways, which we are. But I feel <laughs> like a lot of those problems have rectified themselves. And you have an anchor at the back in Kalina who, you know, saved the hide of uh, Charlotte FC a couple of times against Cincinnati and a couple other times against New England. You know, he's been man of the match twice in the, in the five games we've played this season. So I, I do feel like it is a formula that could help us, uh, especially with the speed. Maybe we see some more from Titi Ortiz. Who knows? It could be an interesting situation that Miguel and Ramirez and how he plays it. It could be, uh, as he says uh, throughout the week, very fluid when it comes to the formation. Uh, we always love hearing, though, from our supporters. Uh, we've had all five of the supporters council uh groups on so far there are other groups that are outside the supporters council we also want to recognize and one of those is uh, a group that really started at the advent of this club but really is starting to get some great momentum and it's headed up by a real great friend of the show jj Braseno. here's a look at the mint street mafia in our supporters spotlight On Crown Corner at this time every week, we always like to give an opportunity for our supporter groups to get a little love and attention. And the folks from Mint Street Mafia have the honor this week. J.J. Braseno is our guest to represent Mint Street Mafia. Uh, You certainly have seen him across the Charlotte sports scene, born and raised here. And we're so happy to have him and the folks from Mint Street Mafia on with us. And J.J., it's been a fun start to the season so far. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's been more than fun. It's been uh, uh, unreal and surreal all at the same time. You've had a chance to go to the first couple of home games and, and see what this atmosphere was all about. 
What is it like being in that supporter section and seeing this team play as well as they have, especially in the last two in their home building? Um, if you if you haven't got to experience a match yet in the supporter section, you have to do it. Um, it's unlike any atmosphere uh, in any pro sport venue that, I, that I've ever been to. Um, and what I've actually really enjoyed – is even though we're a young club, only you know three matches into the season, that environment it feels like we've been playing for a decade. Like there's already uh, traditions that have started organically within the supporters section, um, and it you know and what I really like is uh, you you walk in there and there's there's all walks of life in that supporters section. There's a, the, a whole diverse group of people in there, all with one common goal to root on this club uh, to win. Um, and the last two matches have been amazing uh, with, with the wins. It's been a pleasure for Will and I to witness you guys. We get a perfect viewpoint from our booth to see you. You mentioned some traditions that have formed in that supporter section. Can you tell us a little bit about those that you're seeing right now? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess the first one is the national anthem. Uh, obviously, that started after the first uh, match when the uh, microphone went out and we just kind of kicked it into gear and started uh, you know, singing. Um, so it's been real nice to, to continue that tradition. Um, you know, other ones like just kind of, you know, naturally took off is when we have home, uh, you know, home team corner kicks. Everybody starts, you know, uh, banging on their chairs and things like that. So it's it's just like little things like that where we're we're coming together as a group to make that noise, learn the chance. I think everybody's starting to pick up on it. So uh, even listening it, uh, to uh, the game, watching it back, the past couple of times you can hear is really good on the TV broadcast. So it's, it's fun to be a part of that. And you guys are a group that uh, has really kind of just started up uh, here in the last couple of months. I know that we, we met a couple of months ago and, and really uh, kind of went into the nitty gritty of what you guys are trying to do. How did your group get started? Number one and number two, what, what makes you guys unique? Yeah. So we got started actually uh, in the spring or summer of 2020, uh, me and a couple of guys, that are, you know, from here, uh, play ball at uh, Butler High School. A couple of the guys went to Independence there. Um, you know, started a group chat once the uh, the team was announced that, it, you know, it was likely that we were going to get the expansion club. Um, and it kind of just grew into like, all right, well, what are we going to do? Um, and one of my, my buddies, um, Matt Rod, was like, hey, let's, let's just start a supporters group. So kind of just – grew out of out of nothing um and since then we've been able to start um you know several chapters so got to give a shout out to my people jonathan and hickory lucas and durham uh mike and east charlotte um who am i missing colin and gastonia and then we actually have an african supporter unions uh chapter uh headed by my guy benedict so i think what you'll find in mint street mafia is um a diverse group of people from young old uh, from Charlotte transplant. And what I've really loved is it's given me an opportunity to meet a bunch of people uh, that I probably wouldn't have met if it weren't for the soccer club um, and getting together to, to uh, watch these matches. And you talk about watching those matches, obviously that's a given for supporters groups, but outside of game days, what else do you all do in terms of the community and getting together as supporters? Yeah, that's a big thing. And I think uh, what um, the council and also uh, just all the uh, groups together, that's a big goal, right? It's not just to get together and, you know, drink beer and watch soccer. We want to give back to this community. So you'll find that every single club kind of, or excuse me, group has their own kind of initiative that they want to get behind. So um, we've been working with the Second Harvest uh, Food Bank uh, right outside of Uptown, um, volunteering there. So that's something that we'll continue to do in the future. And then also uh, Greg Condon, our social coordinator chair, uh, is really involved with the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. He runs an annual golf tournament. So that's something we're going to be piggybacking off of um, and planning for the summer as well. How's your golf game, Jess? Let's be, let's be real. I, I can hey i passed four top golfs on my drive down i, I yeah. think i can get some practice at each of them on the way <laughs> well i i also wanted to at least commend uh you guys as a whole because i think the one thing that i've seen and i've talked about this with david gussler at min city and and southbound and a couple of the other guys as well is that 
this is a real unified section. It's not, you know, seven or eight different sections and you guys aren't really helping out with each other. or There's not a lot of collegiality. That's couldn't be further from the truth. You guys get together on the TFOs. Uh, yeah. The chant committee is big and stuff. And, and, and how much have your members taken to those types of things throughout this young season? Yeah, I think uh, that's what is going to set our uh, club's environment, our supporter group's environment apart from other MLS clubs, um, is that even though we are in this kind of infancy stage, uh, it seems like we've all been working together for a really long time. Um, so we have some some people that are uh, been going to uh, help out paint TIFOs, uh, things like that. Um, definitely need to get uh, some more involvement done there with with our members, um, you know, joining the Slack channels and, and things like that. So um, but I, I think the um, the the groups have been really nice uh, to, you know, like you said, Mint Street Mafia is fairly new. They've been they've had open arms for us. Like there's there's not been an event that they've hosted. Uh, there's not been uh, a watch party like the old. We hosted a joint watch party with the ultras. You know, there's there's not been an event that it's gone on that we've said, hey, can we been a part of? And, you know, them said, no, they're absolutely Mint Street. Come on. You're one of us. Um, and that's something that's really made me happy. And speaking about watch parties, where can we catch you for away games? Obviously, away from home on Saturday. People want to come hang out with you. Where would they be able to find you? Yep, our uptown chapter is going to meet at uh, Big Ben Pub in Elizabeth. Hey. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, absolutely. And then uh, East Charlotte's over at Tommy's Pub uh, off Eastway. Um, Hickory meets um, at uh, Blowing Rock, I believe, Draft House. Um, and then our Gastonia chapter is at Old Dallas Brewery. So we've got a couple of different spots around the uh, Metrolina area. So, you know, the last couple of weeks, Jess has gone over to Big Ben for the sausage rolls before the game. And <laughs> it's a bit one. superstitious now, honestly. Hey, if, it's getting if it's to the working, stage. don't stop. <laughs> I know. I'm going to have to find a way. I'm just going to get them imported into the stadium whenever we're yeah. there. <laughs> Need to have them in the booth for you guys. <laughs> Uh, JJ, man, we appreciate it. Uh, I know that you guys have worked very, very hard on this. And really, I'm very happy to see that you guys are continuing to grow and, and get the numbers up. And uh, we love seeing you guys out at games. We'll uh, we'll catch up uh, at the next uh, home tailgate. And obviously, we hope that uh, you guys are able to do the most that you can to build this group. Where can folks find you to learn more information about Mint Street Mafia? Our website is mintstreetmafia.com. Very easy. And then you can find us. You see our Twitter handle there. It's the same on Instagram, at Mint Street. Uh, the initials, ST Mafia. So at Mint Street Mafia. You can find us anywhere. So most familiar, man. Let's mob. Absolutely. Let's do it. Appreciate it, guys. That is J.J. Brissetto. Again, uh, our next home contest is a week from Sunday. Tickets still available uh, at Bank America Stadium's box office, as well as on Ticketmaster or charlottefootballclub.com. We are on the air Saturday for the road match against Philadelphia Union. That is a 7.30 kick time for a 7 o'clock start, so we'll be looking forward to that. Uh, we'll have all the coverage from that here from uh, Chester, PA, if you will. See, that's the thing. It is not <laughs> – in philadelphia proper so like that's why jonathan earlier in the show was being like yeah the stadium's not downtown it's a bit of a hike so uh maybe that deters some people uh for the villanova match uh uh earlier that evening maybe we get a little bit of a lighter crowd in philadelphia on saturday hey we'll hope so we'll hope so but the most important thing is that you know charlotte fc fans get behind them whether they're traveling whether they're at a watch party enjoy the game and you know always tune into wfnz for for a lovely call right well Absolutely. And now it's time to bring on our good friend, Matt Hogan, for some burning questions. It is time to uh, give him a little spotlight here. Matt, what do you have for us? Uh, so, sorry, that's my cat. Uh, the <laughs> first question I have for you guys is from Twitter. And at QCSPod wants to know thoughts on giving Reina a chance up front with Carol. Uh, for me, if it's not broken, don't fix it. And right now, the relationship between Rios and Karos Federsky is really growing. I enjoyed Reyna coming off of the bench with some fresh legs to add some pace against tired defenders. It, it's a tough one, right? Reyna was starting, picked up an injury. And when that happens, it can be really difficult to find your way back in when someone comes in and replaces you and plays well. 
The thing that I, I just want to see from from Reyna, more clinical finishing. I, I know that that drew the ire of a lot of supporters uh, in the first couple of weeks of matches. He makes great runs. I think the, no, I don't think anybody denies that part of his game is that he's very much able to find himself in open spaces. He just he, he lacks the clinical finish. Uh, I do feel like Jess does when that I, I do feel like he's probably better coming off the bench, at least uh, right now for Charlotte. But uh, if proven otherwise later on we could see maybe whether or not uh, he ends up playing himself back into form last question for you guys before we wrap up we're running low on time but uh how has the ceiling for this team in your guys's opinion changed uh, after the last two wins Miguel how Ramirez is gonna kill you for answering that question asking that question the ceiling <laughs> has not changed we think about each game as it comes look uh, I feel really delighted that we've got those two wins now it's all about momentum it's about consistency I've used that word I started with patience and now I'm going to talk about consistency it's really important that we keep playing the way we want to play and uh, it's nice but it doesn't mean anything two wins unless we continue to play the way that we want to play and pick up points and and this stretch, the, the these next five matches are all tough, tough matches in their own right. Philadelphia, then you have the home against Atlanta revenge game for the side. Uh, you get a revenge game in New England with a, a more full strength Evolution side. You got to go to Colorado, who has played very well to begin, and also a very tough place to play at elevation. And then you got to go to Orlando, which. Might be not a tough side, but they have a pretty menacing atmosphere, and, and we've, we've seen them be uh, a bit of a giant killer in, in the past. I know that they're not exactly as strong as they have been in, the, in, in past seasons, but uh, each of these next five matches, I think, will really tell the tale of, of how high this can go and, and how much this team can improve. But uh, I do feel like it all gets going this weekend, a real tough, tough stretch here with this second set of five contests that we've played five ourselves. That's most importantly, we're enjoying it. We're enjoying oh, yeah. it. That's the most important thing. We're going to ride this wave of wins, and hopefully it continues. And in the wise words of Miguel and Hal Ramirez, one game at a time. Consistency, one game at a time. Keep it all going. Keep getting the sausage rolls, Jess, too, because that apparently <laughs> is a good luck charm. We hope you enjoyed our program. Again, catch us Saturday, 7 o'clock on WFNZ, on the WFNZ app as well. And we'll be following the action for you from Philadelphia. For Jess, for Matt, I'm Will. We'll talk to you next week on Crown Corner, and we'll talk to you on Saturday night from Philadelphia.